Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Getting funky like a monkey, if you will. It is 223 episodes. This is going to be a fun, fun, fun one, and I'm I'm really, really excited about it. It is three days after my birthday, and I'm just going to say before we have our interview um, <laughs> about my birthday. Uh, funny story about my birthday weekend. Um, <clears throat> had a really good time, had a lot of fun, um, and I, I have a small group. I have a small group. Uh, um, a bunch of my friends uh, just just gather together and, and talk about the Bible and all things uh, Christian, and <clears throat> and so. Uh, we we basically were together. It's about uh, oh goodness, about at least a dozen of us um, all weekend, like the first, the second, the third. And so the first was great. Uh, went to see the fireworks here um, locally, um, and the second was great. Uh, my wife did a fantastic job uh, putting together a big surprise uh, birthday party for me. Uh, the third was fantastic. Uh, it was a Sunday, 
That's when we had our small group session. Uh, but Sunday, somehow, and it's weird, um, somehow I managed to lose my keys. And um, that was quite odd. And so for about five hours on Sunday, I was going around my house trying to find my keys for hours and hours and hours. Um, and it was just gnawing at me like, like crazy. And, uh, it was all of us. I mean, everybody who was here in my house was just looking up and down my entire house, all three levels. And it was just really odd and really weird for me to lose my keys. I don't lose my keys. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, you know, I, I remember taking them home with me. And we actually have a um, we, we actually have a camera. We have, we have a pretty uh, pretty uh, state of the art smart alarm system in my house, and we was able you know we were able to just kind of trace the evidence and see if I you know brought the keys back you know into my house, um, and we did see that I had the keys in my pocket. Uh, from the from the video uh, clips, and uh, still we <laughs> we uh, we we did not manage to find my keys. Thank God I had a spare key uh, for my truck uh, for my wife's car, but uh, it was just <laughs> it was very very interesting. Uh, but I do have a uh, I, I, I have a one year old. Uh, I have a son that's a year and a half. Um, and what I think happened was that my son, uh, was able to, (laughs) my my son was probably able to pick my keys up. He walks now, he's a year and a half. He probably was able to pick my keys up and take them to the nether region in his own nether world of some sort. In the and and sadly enough, I have yet to find my keys. So that is the that is the story of this weekend. Other than me celebrating my birthday, um, I, it was unfortunate that <laughs> that I managed to um, to lose my keys. So quite unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, that basically was my weekend uh and that that was uh very very interesting so without further ado ladies and gentlemen we are going to have some fun tonight and uh we are going to have for this week's guests uh none other than former wwe tag team champion ted dibiase jr how are you tonight sir Hello, are you in? Hello? All right. Well, uh, looks like we're having a little bit of difficulties. Ted will be calling in here soon. Um, Will we be back? You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling 
on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page, Crave Wrestling. All right. So, yeah, my keys. <laughs> my, my key story. Uh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was uh, very interesting, very unfortunate um, that my keys has is lost and was lost, um, and I have still yet to find my keys. So here's the thing. While I'm on the show, uh, I will continue to talk about my keys uh, every week until my keys show up uh, from most likely where my son uh, my youngest son has decided to uh, place them. I have no idea where they are. Uh, they are probably on my end table uh, by my sectional, and he probably picked them up, which is very um, childlike to do, and he probably was playing with them and decided to, uh, you know, to, to take them somewhere that uh, is probably in some type of, secret toy chest that uh, I have no idea about. So still waiting on Ted DiBiase Jr. Uh, to call him to talk to his agent right now. Uh, he text, uh, he, he was plugging the show um, earlier. Um, but let's see here. Let's, uh, let's try to, let's try to get him in here. Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. Please leave your name, number, There's Ted. and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. We did not get your message, either because you were not speaking or because of a bad connection. To disconnect, press 1. To record your message, still there? To disconnect, press 1. To record your message, press 2. Are you still there? To disconnect, press 1. To record your message, press 2. This is Ted DiBiase. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. All right. I'm speaking to his agent right now. We don't know exactly what's going on. So we will we will continue the show until uh, Ted comes on the line. Uh, without further ado, there is someone who is on the line from 411mania.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Larry Sanka. How are you tonight, sir? I'm fine. How are you, man? 
I'm doing good, man. Trying to get uh, Ted DiBiase on line. He was plugging the show earlier today. Uh, I, I guess there was some mishap that his agent, well, his agent told him 11 p.m., but he was tweeting about the show earlier today, and he said, oh, my bad, 11 p.m., so he's aware. But uh, I'm talking to his agent right now. I called him a couple times, but he's not answering. So don't know exactly what's going on, but we shall continue the show. How's your weekend? Oh, good, good. You know, keeping busy as always uh, between the fourth and uh, regular work stuff. But it was a it was a solid weekend, man. No real complaints. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so his agent uh, once again got back with me. Um, so you were just uh, recapping the um, uh, the 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 TNA Impact now. I didn't watch it, but it's okay if you uh, tell me about it. So what was your – I'm going to watch it until my DVR. So what was your takeaways from, from Impact uh, since you uh, since you covered it today? Uh, like most weeks, um, a lot of the stuff was uh, largely fine to good. You know, they're, they're doing a good job of building week to week since they don't really do pay-per-view outside of like two times a year. So um, most of the show was fine. Uh, nothing wrong with it. The uh, – the Matt versus Jeff Hardy final deletion thing is all going to depend on. It's all going to depend on what kind of stuff you like outside of wrestling. I'm a big, I like B movies. I like um, movies from the asylum. I like just like sometimes cheese and bad movies to a point, but at the same time, I also love Lucha underground and wacky stuff from Japan. And honestly, it was, it was the last 10 minutes of the show and it was, they had some cuts interspersed in the show, but the main match, if you want to call it a match was the last 10 minutes. It felt like something, they did a good job of making it different. They really did. It's very enjoyable. If you like really outside the box things, they fought in the woods in a ring that had spotlights and tiki torches around it. They shot Mm -hmm. fireworks at each other. Uh, Jeff was thrown in the pond and you thought he drowned, but he reappeared as Willow, did a senton out of a tree. It was just all kind of insanity. But the thing is, is if you're going to go crazy, you can't go halfway. And these guys kind of had a vision. And for what it was, man, it was honestly, it was 10 minutes of really entertaining stuff. Um, I actually give them credit for going outside the box and doing something like that. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. And the other really good thing was they did an angle with Eddie Edwards and Lashley. uh, And instead of Edwards cashing in the title, they actually set up a title versus title match for next week with both titles on the line. Um, So it was actually good build towards next week. The Hardy thing was extremely entertaining. I think even if you might not think you'll like it, you have to at least check it out. I give them full credit for really just going crazy with it. It's a combination of a final boss fight with Lucha Underground and Generico and Ibushi fighting in a kayak in Japan for DDT. (laughs) Yeah. So they're not doing the the, uh, Destination X cash-in thing, I, I suppose. Well, they, they teased that that was going to be the gimmick as always, and Lashley and Edwards actually had a very good back-and-forth promo segment. Lashley, if 
you're not watching TNA. He's really coming to his own on it as a wrestler. He's gotten really get good on the mic. He um he comes across as a very give no you know what's character right now. I'm a real mm. fighter. I'm better than everybody. He completely talks down and is condescending in a very good way. Like there is nothing besides the fact that he's a great athlete, there's nothing likable about the character right now. He's mm-hmm. a great world champion. And he basically was telling Eddie Edwards not to cash in. Eddie Edwards bowed up to him and Lashley said, fine. He goes, you know what? Let's, let's make history. He goes, my title versus your title. If you win, you're the world champion and the X division champion. If I win, I'm still the world champion. I'm still the best in the world. And at the same time, I'm going to rip the heart out of the X division. Hmm. Yeah. I'm probably about a week or so out of impact. I've I've followed it. Uh, It's, you know, I, I, uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Just a moment. Still talking to his agent. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I've, I followed it, you know, I've been keeping up with it. I've been so uh, apologetic toward TNA until probably about a, um, a couple of years back. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know what it's, what has been about. I mean, cause I still watch it. I still watch it weekly basically. And, and, and I don't know. I just can't get into it. I mean, I do, I do like the broken Nero and or broken Matt and brother Nero. Um, I, I, I do like, I mean, the, the big scene that they had a few weeks back with Tyrus and Spud. Uh, but you know, it's, it's still one of them things that, I can tell that that has Corgan written all over it, and I and I like the I, I like the theater piece because I think it's different. I think it's uh, you know I think it mixes theater with entertainment, but at the same time, it's just it, at the end of the day, it's just kind of you know making it a bunch of different variations to the same thing and getting the same results with with uh, Matt and Jeff. I mean, how how far really can you go with Matt and Jeff Hardy though? That's true to a point, but I will say at least the good news is is they've kind of broken them away from everybody else. They're letting them do their thing. They're trying to use them because for whether you like Matt Hardy or not, he's very savvy with the social media stuff. He's a very creative guy. Jeff's creative. They worked with Dave Lagana and those guys, and they tried to do something different. And I think the most important thing was the last two or three days, this was the most hype I've seen for an episode of Impact probably in years. Uh, a lot of people just interested in what they were going to do. They sent out some uh, screeners to a lot of uh, wrestlers and uh, media guys mm-hmm. to try and get the hype out. And that's something that in the past they've never done. So I give them full credit for that. You have to be different. You have to go outside the box. And the fact is, they're putting on solid to good programming each week, but TNA has such a stigma from years past. They've burnt a lot of fans. The network changes. You might as well try something like this when you're getting 300,000 viewers. You yeah. have to do something different. You have to generate a buzz. And for one week, for better or for worse, they created a lot of buzz online. They promoted the heck out of it. 
And it, it, I think it delivered well enough. I mean, there's some people that are going to hate it. Traditionalists are going to hate it. Although I'm a guy that grew up on the NWA and Ric Flair is my world champion. And I sometimes get the cranky old man, slow at Don vibe every once in a while. But at the same <laughs> time, I love Lucha Underground and the Young Bucks yeah. throwing 20 super kicks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it 20 just, is going to depend on what number. kind of stuff you like. Yeah. <laughs> As the twenty is actually a, actually a low number for the Young Bucks uh, during one of the uh, super kick parties that they have. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on the traditionalist piece. Uh, I'm I'm one of those guys. I I enjoyed Osprey and Ricochet because I I have an affinity for Ricochet because he's been on my show. Um, but I you know I, I'm an Andre Hogan guy. You know, but I do appreciate. I said this before on my show many times. I. I appreciate the Andre Hogan ultimately, but I, it, it takes a, a savage and steamboat to, uh, to to showcase and to highlight uh, the, the the psychology between the Andre and Hogan. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's important. Um, you know, I, I do I, I do appreciate. Um, you know, I love ROH. I absolutely love ROH. I love I like Lucha Underground as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it has its place. I, I, I believe it has its place. I just, you know, I'm pulling for TNA. You know, I really am. I've interviewed a bunch of people from TNA on my show. Uh, speaking of Eddie Edwards, I interviewed David Richards and, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm just pulling for him and I really like Eddie Edwards. I, I've liked Eddie Edwards since his, um, since, uh, ROH and, especially his singles run uh, in ROH. I was a big fan of that. I've always liked Eddie Edwards. Um, I think he has a very solid, fluid uh, moveset and uh, very good in the ring. Uh, but, and, I, and I, I actually would be happy if he, um, uh, you know, it, 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 I was, I'm, I'll actually be happy if um, he won the title. So I'd be I'd be very happy about that. But now we'll see. Uh, let's get into the headlines. Um, the first one is another Cena versus Styles match is scheduled for SummerSlam. Now, it looks like the six man is, is a bit of a blow off uh, that we saw uh, scheduled on Raw, uh, which I had the pleasure of being at. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um but what what do you think of the six man and it kind of being a blow off to potentially and what's rumored to be another Cena Styles match at SummerSlam? I actually like the fact that they're not rushing to the, the rematch right away like they did with the Kevin Owens feud. And you know, you look at a lot of Cena's feuds, uh, the Bray Wyatt, Rusev, you go back to back to back to back, and it's um theory of diminishing returns. The Kevin Owens match, the first one was amazing. The second one was really, really good, and then they rushed right to the third one. And, you know, between Kevin Owens losing and frustrating people and it not being as good, it felt like they just blew through it way too quick. So the fact that they're going to go ahead and do the six-man, and, you know, AJ did the gimmick where, you know, Cena doesn't have any friends. In theory, you're elevating Enzo and Cass by having them be Cena's new friends. Um I think it's fine because Battleground obviously is a B pay-per-view. The pay-per-view is kind of in flux anyway with the draft happening right before it. Um, a lot of rumors of who, people might get broken up, who's going to shift. 
And there's a lot of rumors that you know, CNN Styles are going to be the top two of the top guys on SmackDown, probably in the title scene. So that could be a factor in the SummerSlam. So I like deferring it to the bigger show, giving us a break instead of going one-on-one match, one-on-one match, one-on-one match, and then being kind of done for now. I think the introduction of Enzo and Cass, you have the club involved. You can spread this out. You can give it a little more old school feel so that we're not running through it and hopefully not running through variations on the same match in the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah. I think that the six men is a good place for battleground. Um, There's not much expectation coming from battleground. I mean, that's, you know, anyone who's expecting a bunch uh, from battleground is, you know, is really setting themselves up for failure. And I think it's, you know, like you said, with the incorporation of the split without being involved, uh, I, I think it's a good idea uh, to, to have the six men at battleground just because, you know, here's the thing. I, and this is the re- one of the reasons why I, I'm not okay with two pay-per-views for two, for two brands in one month, because stuff like this, pay-per-views like this, actually helps storylines and you know it gives more time to storylines which is something that the wwe like as you were mentioning is something that the wwe has failed measurably at in giving time and storylines for the most part and you know and, and that's the thing um something like battleground it helps uh kind of prolong and kind of give a little bit more substance uh, to a storyline uh, that is really, really good. Speaking of substance storylines, one thing that I will give the WWE credit for is this uh, New Day versus Y family. And we'll, and we'll get uh, to that when we get to Raw. Uh, but the next headline is, uh, so there's there's reportedly no plans of bringing back Kurt Angle, despite you know him in a recent interview saying it's not a matter of if, but when. So... Do you think that there's a spot for Kurt Angle? And if so, why do you think the WWE is not interested? I I think in theory there's always a spot for Kurt Angle. Now, obviously, Kurt is older. Uh, Recently had a match with Zack Sabre Jr., which was a good match, but Angle's a little banged up. He has a knee issue. In a limited role, Kurt Angle can still go. Kurt Angle can still deliver. Um, there's obviously, you know, the rumor you could pair him with American Alpha. You could do some six-mans. He could be a mentor. Um, those guys have a lot of potential. The biggest problem with Kurt, and it goes back to when he got his release, is the fact that Vince McMahon's big edict on the situation is he did not want an Olympic gold medalist to die on his watch. And Angle had um, the painkiller issues, and then later on in TNA he had DUI issues. And, you know, by all reports, he's clean now and he's doing well, and that's fantastic to hear. But in you look at the last couple months, um, Adam Rose had a domestic issue. Jerry Lawler had a domestic issue. Now it's over, and he was reportedly back at the SmackDown tapings tonight. But the fact is, you're a publicly traded company. You do not want any bad press. And if you bring in Kurt Angle... I'm not going to lie, man. I hear that music. I'm going to mark out. I mean, I, I've booked it for years. I booked a rumble return for him again, with Rusev being the only guy in the ring and stuff like that. I mean, big. I'm a big Kurt Angle fan. And it's not just because I'm from Pittsburgh. It's the fact that 
he got it so quickly. And his WWE run was really good. And then you look at his post-WWE run, and he's probably had the most successful post-WWE run out of anybody as far as just pure wrestling goes. We're not yeah. talking Batista and the Rock and movies. But Kurt Angle, you look at the history of TNA and great matches, you look at AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, those are like your top three. And Angle delivered and everything, but he's older, he's broken down. And I think the fear on WWE side is if they bring him in, even limited wrestling-wise, if he's back on the road, I think that they fear that he's going to start, you know, letting the demons get to him, I guess is the best Mm -hmm. way to put it. And that is the biggest fear for a company like that. And if you're Vince McMahon and your big thing is, I don't want him back because I don't want an Olympic gold medalist dying. I mean, that's a legit fear. And a lot of people want to kind of poo-poo that and say, no, it's not a big deal. But these are the things that differentiate, you know, the fan who, I mean, I'm a fan. I want Kurt Angle in wrestling still, even if it's very limited. I think Kurt Angle for one or two big matches, a mentor to American Alpha, and a Hall of Fame induction would be great. But from the business side of things, you have to be very careful. Yeah, I can definitely see the validity in that. Here's my thing, though. Angle, from many, many reports years ago when they were discussing pretty heavy, when he was discussing with Triple H, it seems like, you know, the, the the reports were he wanted the part-time schedule, but Triple H wasn't willing to budge. So how would you incorporate that? I mean, is it a matter of them still not wanting to budge? Because, you know, I, I think that Kurt Angle is worthy of a part-time schedule. If they're going to get, you know, if they gave RVD that, you know, season-on, season-off schedule, why wouldn't they do that with Angle? Well, when you come down to it, Triple H is mending a lot of bridges over the years. And I think he sees Kurt Angle as someone you can mend a bridge with. Because if you mend a bridge with Kurt Angle, it's not just bringing him in for a couple big matches in a Hall of Fame. If you bring the Olympic gold medalist back and you bring him back into the family, Gerald Briscoe is getting older, but he's the main guy that goes and scouts the NCAA wrestling guys He talks to them. He tries to get them to come to the performance center. You bring Kurt Angle back. You get Kurt Angle back in the family. Kurt Angle then becomes your ambassador to the amateur wrestling world. And then you recruit from there with Kurt Angle as your face of that. I think that's the vision Triple H sees. But at the end of the day, Vince McMahon is still making all the calls. Yeah, yeah. So do you think it's a Vince? So do you think it's... Vince that's holding him back from the part-time schedule? Do you think it's Triple H that doesn't want to uh, concede to his request? It's really hard to say. I I think it's a lot of Vince, but I think Hunter has the same reservations because you don't want, you don't want anything bad happening with angle. I mean, besides the fact that he's just, you know, he's older and he's, you know, he has knee problems and stuff. I mean, the neck issue's still there, whether Kurt likes to admit it or not. And, you know, Kurt working six mans and everything sounds great, but, it, you know, he's working, maybe he works with someone inexperienced. Hell, he works with someone that has experience. Accidents happen. Mm-hmm. You drop him on his head. And, I mean, there, there's just a lot of, there, I can understand there's a lot of worry. I, I still think, you know, like, if you're asking me, there's a position 
but I understand why they're so trepidatious about it. They're just they're worried, and you're running a multi million dollars at at every once in a while a billion dollar company. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're see my I'm I'm my thing is this I'm huge on wanting to see Kurt Angle versus Rusev. I mean that's my thing. I don't want to see anything else initially for me right now. I think Rusev, uh, especially when he was having a bunch of heat about a year and a half ago, um, and, and now he's getting more heat. Um, and you know, I I really think. Kurt Angle is the perfect person for for Rusev from a storyline point of view, and and as far as as far as in ring athleticism, they both can hang with each other. Uh, who would you book Kurt Angle against initially, if and hopefully when he comes back? Well, I think if you're to try to maximize, you got to. I, I think a feud with Rusev. I, I've always liked that one. Like I said a couple years ago, when there was excuse me, rumors, I always thought that a great way to bring Kurt back was always the Rumble. And, you know, you have Rusev. Rusev can do the Kevin Nash routine, clear the ring, counter goes down. You do about five seconds of silence after the horn. Everybody's kind of wondering. You let Angle's music hit, and that place goes nuts. The American hero brawls with him a little bit. They can do the double elimination at the same time. You're set up for the next month. You know, and um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think the match with Rusev would be great. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to see a Brock Lesnar match, but I don't think you want to have Brock Lesnar suplex and Kurt Angle fifteen times at this stage. That seems like a, a rather bad idea. But you know, something with something with Rusev, you could work him in with American Alpha to do some six man stuff with the Wyatts and the New Day and stuff like that, or the Club, because him and AJ have great chemistry. I mean, there's a lot you could do with him that is not necessarily highlighting him, but using him well. Yeah. But again, it all yeah. comes back down to, you know, what does the company want? Yeah. That is very, very true. Another person who is uh, off the the grid as far as return returns are concerned is JTG. I actually converse with him relatively frequently, and uh, we conversed about uh, this. I just asked him straight out. And he said, "No, he 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 never got <laughs> he never he never got a, any type of contact." Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, what, what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that JTG could have been a, a helpful hand with uh, this new brand split? I think he could have been if he didn't write a couple books. I mean, that was his decision. I I interviewed him before. He's he's a very nice guy. He was very open and talked, um, you know, his problems with the company. And it's it's the same thing you hear from a lot of guys. A lot of, we're going to do this with you, and we have plans for this, and we'd love to do this, and then it not happening. And um, I thought he had a lot of potential. I I liked him and everything. I thought, as you said, good hand. Mm-hmm. Good hand, good. I think good, good little fiery baby face and everything. He has some charisma, but um, yeah, I think doing the the book stuff is, you know, they're gonna look at him and say, okay, there's JTG and he wrote these books, or, you know, unfortunately, we could bring back Rob Van Dam because he has a name, or yeah. Carlito, which I don't want to see myself, but. You know, they're probably to go for guys with some name value. And unfortunately, compared to like RVD and those guys, 
He just doesn't have that. Good hand, good guy to have on the roster. A good guy to work on the road with some of the NXT guys because he went through developmental and he worked really mm-hmm. hard and he knows what that's all about and get guys ready for the main roster. But I think they're targeting more more guys that are veterans with either a name or with a really, really good work rep that can help some of the NXT guys. Yeah. See, here's the thing, though, and I was talking to JTG about this. I can just imagine a crime time tag team return uh, in Brooklyn um, on SummerSlam weekend. You know, it could be some type of, um, you know, six-man or, or eight-man um, that that needed, you know, two mystery people. They, they need, say, for instance, if someone else is feuding with the club, um, I, I would, seemingly there's AJ Styles and Cena is still going on at SummerSlam, but if someone else is – uh, if the club didn't, the club was uh, if Cena needed two people to b- uh, back him up, you know, uh, to to you know to, to schedule some type of match, you know, uh, um, a spontaneous match, tag team match with the club, uh, it it just seems like Crime Time would be Crime Time versus Anderson and Gallows would just be. Uh, a great match for the Brooklyn crowd. I mean, the Brooklyn would go, Brooklyn crowd would go absolutely bananas, you know, if, if they did that. And even, and even on top of that, I can see JTG uh, being a good singles competitor on NXT. I really can. I think he has some, and he's, the guy's young. He's only, uh, what, 32, I believe, something like that. So, you know, he still has much, much left in him. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I, I just really think, they're missing out uh, on someone like a JTG, uh, especially since, you know, the time he's been on my show twice and, you know, he, he's had some interesting things to share each time. And I just, you know, the very fact that he was trying to overhaul his character, he had so many suggestions to Vince McMahon and the ones that he had, uh, you know, the few of them were a, a bit zany, but, in the, there were a, a majority of them, though, that actually had uh, some credibility. And he even talked about a, a, a character, an invisible character that he pitched to Vince McMahon that somehow it ended on someone else. So he has the he has the uh, the mind, you know, he has the imagination, you know, to have successful characters. But I mean, I just really think if he had the Brooklyn thing and, you know, he, he didn't. His, I remember, you know, toward the end of his career, he changed to just regular tights. And I think that that type of wardrobe would fit, you know, w- would be better for him. And he cut his hair now. So I really think just that from an athletic standpoint, he has the ability to become a baby face and, and just be someone successful uh, in NXT. Yeah, like I said, I, I think he'd be a fine guy to work with a lot of those guys because you need – like one of the advantages back in the day of the OVW system, which I was, I always really enjoyed that they don't use enough anymore was when someone got injured and they were a couple weeks away from coming back, they went to OVW and worked for a couple weeks. Right. Uh, they worked OVW TV. They worked some of the OVW house shows. They knocked off the ring rust, but more importantly than that for the main roster guy you were having main roster guys work with the next generation that you are hoping to be main roster guys. 
So the main yeah. roster guys, they know how to lay out TV. They know the matches. They know the structure. They know this. They know everything that these guys are going to need to know. And that was a great tool for a lot of the guys because you would always hear guys that came up from OVW, and they would always talk about, you know, I was doing okay and blah, 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 and then so-and-so got injured, and then they came to OVW for two and three weeks, and I got to work with them, and a light bulb went on. Oh yeah, and you look yeah. at other things like when when they speaking of Bobby Lashley, when they brought Lashley up from developmental for the first six weeks, and then his first TV program, he did nothing but work on the road with Fit Finley, mm-hmm. and they had Finley work in fifteen and twenty minute road matches with him to get him ready because Bobby Lashley was this he was this blue chip athlete young African-American dude who went to college, who wrestled, who was in the military, who had no background issues, who was well-spoken. And they were like, this is the guy we could push. And so they stuck him with an agent who was also working, but they stuck him with him and they tried to do everything at the time to make him ready. And that's, for as much as NXT puts on great shows, I think it misses that sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Joe is a good, it's a good acquisition for NXT. I definitely think uh, he, him staying in NXT uh, is is a really good idea. I mean, and the thing is, to to really make NXT the brand that Triple H is really you know selling it as now to be just a separate entity, I think having you know veterans like Joe and Bobby Roode now having them on the NXT show is actually good for them because I don't see either one of them, you know, being a main event player on the main roster. So I definitely think that, you know, NXT would definitely help them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to bring in, we'll be right back with Larry. Uh, Thank you. And we'll be right back with you, Larry, to talk more uh, headlines and and raw and our flavor of the week. Uh, Hold tight until uh, we'll get back to Larry. We have the president of integrity bookings, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby is on the line uh, to explain the Ted DiBiase uh, situation. It doesn't look like uh, we're going to get him tonight, unfortunately, uh, but it's great to have you tonight, Bobby. Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, in the short little bit of time I was listening to you, what a professional-sounding show. Very different for, for a wrestling radio program. <laughs> Sounds really much. good. So, so congratulations. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, all I can tell you is uh, Teddy Jr. is a man of his word. I just have a feeling that he fell asleep. I, I don't really have much more of an explanation than that. Uh, he did promote it just today on Twitter, and he uh, did have it on his calendar as of two days ago because you do have to remind people about interviews a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was all set, and he's actually a very, very uh, smart individual. Uh, I would say that he is the real million-dollar man, if you want to you know, read through the lines there. Um, and I just think that, uh, I don't know, I really think he just probably fell asleep. I, I called his wife, I called his brother, I can't call his dad. Uh, he did just get back from the United Kingdom. But to all the fans and listeners and to your staff and, the, I guess, the, the host of the show, I am sorry. And um, uh, if you would want to reschedule, I'm sure Teddy will be, like, completely... Uh, beating himself up tomorrow morning when he sees these text messages and missed phone calls and listens to his voicemail. Mm-hmm. So, I well, do we apologize. Appreciate, we definitely appreciate that, Bobby. I definitely want to 
you know, just uh, keep the listeners uh, abreast of uh, what's going on and uh, just make sure I, I'm a man of my word to deliver, you know, a successful product. Uh, the show was uh, a little over, but it's four years and three months old now. Wow. Keep it professional and, and uh, continue to, to improve the brand. And I definitely want to bring you on just for people to get some clarity. I appreciate you uh, beautifully articulating what the situation is, and I, and I definitely uh, commend you for, for that explanation. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is an embarrassment to me as well, to be quite honest, you know, only because these things never happen to me. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years, uh, and there's only been two no-shows in my history in 25 years, which is like, you know, barely, that, that's like incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And they were both for legitimate reasons. And, uh, you know, Teddy, I, I'm telling you, he's a brilliant businessman. And uh, I think he just probably dozed off. That is my guess, that he's sitting yes. on his couch right now watching ESPN sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and if I, I'm here in Long Island, New York. If I was down in Jackson, Mississippi, I'd run to his house right now and wake him up. But he's yeah. going to feel bad and horrible and apologize to you guys profusely, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, we shall, uh, you know, you know, I, as uh, it, it happens, you know, and, and I appreciate you coming on. And we shall we we shall continue to uh to to try to get something scheduled and uh you know things happen unfortunately we're on live t v so i mean excuse me yeah. live, live radio, radio. <laughs> so uh my my listener base is uh well over twelve thousand now so uh well i uh, want to say one more thing to your listener base i, I want yes, you all to know that that you as the the host and administrator of this program was completely professional. Not only did he ask about this interview, I think it was almost close to two months ago when you asked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I think we uh, we booked it probably, what, about four weeks ago, maybe? Yep. maybe three and a half weeks ago. So, I mean, this man has been trying very hard to lock this down. He's been um, uh, a go-getter at it. And he's been per- perfect, complete pro in what he's been doing. So this is just a fluke situation. As there's nothing on him. Don't point fingers. Don't say, "Oh, I, we thought we were, he was never going to get him to begin with." No, this is this is Teddy Jr.'s fault on this one. So don't uh, don't hate your wonderful hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you, it. You got it. Before we go, man, let people know mm-hmm. about integrity bookings. Well, we have been around, like I said, almost 25 years. August will be 25 years. It is a full-service booking agency for pro wrestlers as well as some musicians as well, but mostly pro wrestling. And uh, like I said, to have only two no-shows in 25 years, and I book just about every week of my life, is really an accomplishment. You've got to be very careful. There's a lot of fake people out there that uh, try to be agents, and all they have is some phone numbers, and they wind up making looking everybody bad. Uh, one of the guys that are actually well-respected in the industry, I still have a, a um, really good relationship with the WWE as well. And God, it's been a long time. I've done everything from producing events and being an agent and booking television and commercials and music videos. I mean, there's a lot. One day we can talk. I mean, I can tell you a lot about a lot of different people that you guys would probably be amazed about. <laughs> but it's been a good run. I will nice. say that. Today, okay, for example, this this is a day in a life. I, you know, I wake up and I was on the phone with Teddy Senior. Ted Senior, like I said, just got back from the United Kingdom today. And as soon as I hung up that phone, and we're booking something for two weeks away from now in Florida, just a quick little booking that just got to fit into the calendar. I hang up the phone with him, and who calls me? Sting. 
I mean, so then I, I get off the phone, I, just, I call up my mom, and I'm like, you know what? i got to pinch myself sometimes. Even though this is my norm, I can never get used to this. Because you just mm-hmm. don't, you know, you just can't, like, you know, to DiBiase, then to Sting. It doesn't happen to everybody. I've been very blessed in this industry, and I, I'll always get back yeah. to it. That's so, awesome. Well, yeah. uh, Sting is my all-time favorite wrestler. So, uh, oh, yeah? Maybe you can pull some strings and not only uh, having Teddy redeem himself, but having Steve <laughs> come on the show as well. So, well, I will, I will definitely ask him. He, he's not one that does a lot of radio. I'll be honest. That with is you. true. Yeah, um, that is true. But I mean, I can, I can ask, and um, you know, there, there's so much going on in wrestling. So if you're a promoter, if you are, you know, whatever, a store owner. Have a, uh, a merchandise store. You can get a hold of me, integritybookings.com. My name is Bobby. I book over 50 wrestlers, some that you don't see on the website. I still have access to, and I do third party with the WWE as well. So just about anybody I can get you. And Sting is a uh, wonderful For Sports Illustrated <laughs> and Fox Sports. So both of my editors are chomping at the bits to get Sting, uh, to, uh, to, for me to write a piece on Sting. So Sometimes as, with people uh, like him who are still under contracts, have to get special okays to do certain events and certain things. Yeah. And uh, Steve, yeah, you know, Sting's real name, Steve, I mean, he, he is a bit particular in what he does anyway, but, you know, you just never know. <laughs> you never know. Things in wrestling do uh, change. Yeah. I appreciate you. Um, on the line, but uh, as far as Ted, uh, you know, I understand things happen, and, um, We'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get something together for the future. Okay, so- sounds good. And your conversation was very intelligent when I was listening to it. With that, thank you very and much. It seems like you guys really have a head on your shoulders. That's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate you it. You got it, man. You got yeah. it. Thank you. All right, Larry. Thanks so much for uh, your patience, and uh, thank you so much for uh, just uh, your understanding. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get Teddy we'll get Teddy Junior back on the line, um, and we'll re- we'll ske- we'll reschedule. Um, but yeah, let's get to the next headline: Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt this Saturday, UFC 200. W- what is your prediction, and what is what is your take on Lesnar Hunt? I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I think it's cool that Brock's going back. Um, I understand why seemingly he wants to go back. He he has this thing that he wants to prove himself. I think Mark Hunt was a, is a very dangerous guy for him to face. I mean, Mark Hunt always had this punching power, but he was this a 500 fighter that when the UFC absorbed pride, they tried to buy him out of his deal because they didn't want him. And Mark Hunt stayed, and then Mark Hunt actually started putting together not only wins, but actually developed a, a somewhat of a ground game and actually evolved as a fighter and then got extremely popular. And then he still has this deadly knockout power. And then you got Lesnar, who's 38 years old. He's going to return to the octagon, and it's not that age is such a big factor, but it sounds ridiculous when you say this line, I'm going to say in a second, but the thing is, if Brock can't take him down or keep him down, it's going to be on defeat. And here's the mm-hmm. stupid line, but it's a fact. Brock Lesnar hates getting hit. He is a yeah. big monster of a man. He is a strong dude, and he's a bad son of a you-know-what. 
but Brock folds when he gets tagged on his chin. Yeah. And if Mark Hunt starts lighting them up, I mean, it's going to be bad news. I mean, I would love to see Brock win because I think, well, I I think it would be a great redemption story after the diverticulitis and everything. He returns at UFC 200. He was, you know, the big dog at UFC 100. He comes back. It's a great story if he wins, but I just, if he can't get Hunt down and, and the other thing is Mark Hunt's hard to finish. So if he can't get him down early and take him down, I think it's either a long night for Brock or Brock's going to take a nap. Yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning towards that way as well. I I'm gonna be honest with you, as as hard hitting and you know, I think I've watched probably every single Brock Lesnar UFC fight, and one of the things that I noticed with him, his endurance isn't the best, but he uses his weight, he uses his massive size uh, to. Uh, kind of tower over his opponents. Uh, but the, the problem is uh, he did that with Mir the second time. Uh, but the first time with Mir, you know, he kind of did that, but he realized, you know, when he got that, I think it was a leg lock that Mir put him in, uh, that it was just lights out because you can't just, you can't just kind of have that towering, you know, I'm going to use my weight um, method to just take you down. Because if you're doing that with the submission specialist, it's it's a it's a wrap. You know, in addition to that, if you try to tackle someone who is just a a, a pounder, you know, and and it's just a heavy hitter like Mark Hunt, I've watched Mark Hunt fight too, and I mean that guy has a, 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 a he he has a punch on him that will knock out a bear. I mean and. and and I think that, and he, and he's, and he, he's just reckless. I mean, he, he has no fear when it comes to charging someone and just flurrying someone with punches. And I think that he has, he's going to have that same mentality against Brock Lesnar. He, I, you know, he's he's one of those people that you can tell that Mark Hunt. I don't see, uh, I don't see a heavy sense of intimidation factor with Mark Hunt when it comes to Brock Lesnar, when it comes to just the image and just the aura of Brock Lesnar. Uh, Couture probably could have had that type of, could have had a hint of intimidation or even underestimation of Brock Lesnar, which caused him to be dethroned. But at the same time, I don't see that in Hunt though. I don't see, you know, he he's, it, it, it might be a little bit of, he's that wrestler, but at the same time, from his interviews that I've listened to, he's ready. I mean, he, he's ready. He's prepared for Lesnar. You know, he was he's number eighth right now. You know, he was preparing himself to kind of ascend a little bit more to get that title, uh, the, the title opportunity. But uh, <laughs> a defeat against Brock Lesnar, uh, that'll put a really good notch in your belt. Certainly, yeah. And like I said, I'm excited. I'm excited to see if is Brock actually 100% can he take him down? Can he just be a beast? Or is Mark Hunt just, you know, is he going to pull a Kane Velasquez? Because when, when Brock faced Kane, that was the thing. Brock tried to get him down. Kane got up and then Kane tagged him. Mm-hmm. And Brock went, you know, um, best description, he went ass over tea kettle and rolled all around and he got finished. <laughs> and, you know, he just, he doesn't react well to it. And I know it's like I said, it's a stupid phrase because nobody likes to get hit, 
mm-hmm. the fact is, is some people do not react to it well. Uh, same thing in the Ronda Rousey Holly Holm fight. Ronda Rousey could not implement her game plan. She could never get inside. Holly Holm used her leg kicks in her boxing, started tagging her, tagging her, tagging her. And Ronda Rousey was never getting hit like that. She yeah. was dominating people. She was submitting people. She had two, a couple, three fights in a row where I think it was like a minute and a half total. I mean, she was taking no damage, and then she got lit up. And yeah, you know, always hear Tyson and guys. It kind of reminds guys me of the always pool. say you have a game plan until you get hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like a bull and a matador, you know. And it's like, you know, uh, you, you, you the bull charges and you know sometimes you know grabs the matador and just kind of swings them all over the place. Uh, and but you know when you when you got that spike, you know, or when you when you have that ability to just you know strike. Uh, at the right time, the bull is done, and that's the when I thought you know the 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 uh, Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar, as well as the Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey, I think both of those uh, matches uh, fit that fit that role, fit that mold of just the bull charging but getting getting struck. Uh, so I I'm just you know my thing I've. It's not looking too good for Brock Lesnar. I'll say that much. So, who, who's your final prediction between those two? You know, I, th- I think I'm going with Mark Hunt. I just, I think it's a horrible match for Brock. I really do. It's just, yeah. I, he's been out of it for a while. Mark Hunt has been in it. No, you know, Mark Hunt's not a young guy either. But Mark Hunt's been in the thick of things and just. A scary striker, man. I just, I, I think it's a horrible match. I respect the hell out of Brock for taking the fight. Um, the man's about making money. He seized an opportunity when it was given to him to fight on what's probably going to be the biggest MMA pay-per-view of all time. Going to make some nice money, and that's uh, one of the main things, even though he says it's not about the money this time because he wants to prove himself. But, yeah, I just, I, I want Brock to win really bad. I want him to beat Kane, too, and everything, but it is a, uh, I knew going into that 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 was a horrible matchup too, and I just I have that same feeling. Yeah, I agree. So, do, so do you want to spoil uh, to the to the listeners uh, who the opponent for uh, Brock Lesnar is? Go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. I didn't look at any SmackDown spoilers. Um, I don't know you cover a lot of that uh, stuff, but uh, I, I I did get some some information. Um, um, yeah, so so basically, it it, it from what I've heard um, from from reports is that it was not announced uh, in front of the live audience on SmackDown. So uh, it, it appears as if when it airs on Thursday, they'll probably edit that in. So, um, with that, who do you think the ideal and uh, probable uh, opponent will be? You know, nobody really jumps out at me. I, um, I've heard a lot of it's going to be Randy Orton, which mm-hmm. I understand that, that's a, that, that is a good match in theory to book because you can do the two youngest world champions gimmick with them and all that, but then it's like there's really no build to it. It's just we're going to put on a big match at SummerSlam. Plus, Orton's coming back off of shoulder injuries and stuff, and 
Um, similar to Kurt Angle, I think suplexing him around for 15 minutes is a horrible idea. Yeah, I agree. And and here's my thing with Orton now. I I haven't been sold on Orton just as a big big name player for for quite some time now. I was just having this conversation yesterday. I you know he he's been just in and out of just decent feuds. Him and Rollins were was okay, and I just you know Randy Orton just has lost his star power to me. Um, just overall, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a hall of famer. I get it. Multi-time champion. I get it. He's, he's, he's got all the accolades. I understand it, but you know, he's just kind of been bland and I don't know if he fits better as a face or a heel now, because either, either way to me, doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really spark my interest. So if you put him against Lesnar, that's, that's been one of the quote unquote dream matches, um, you know, that people have been talking about. So if you just kind of plug him in the match with Lesnar, I guess it makes sense, you know, but here's the thing though, who is the, who's the baby face, who's the heel, uh, you know, and just throwing two people in that match without any type of build of who to cheer for, who, who not to cheer for, at least from a creative standpoint, it kind of dilutes the match a bit, and you know it was. There's still some time. There's still a month and a half left before SummerSlam, but I, I just don't see, you know, um, uh, it, it it would have to be a really good build for me to really get interested in Orton versus Lesnar, and I think it could be. I mean, because we've never seen it before. I mean, from a from a big stage standpoint, so. It could be interesting, but eh, to be honest with you, I would rather see Roman Reigns, Lesnar too. I've said this on the show before, um, because we we never got a conclusive finish from Reigns Lesnar one, and I think you know uh, with with Lesnar and Mark Hunt, I, I definitely think that uh, Paul Heyman can use the Samoan bloodline in his promo material whether Brock loses or wins. So regardless, he can use that, you know, for Roman Reigns. And, you know, Roman Reigns is polarizing now. You know, he has the ability from a uh, crowd standpoint to elicit a strong amount of re, uh, of booze, you know, uh, but he's getting the reaction. I mean, no matter where you go, I was at Raw Live yesterday and the very fact that he had it, you know, they were playing WrestleMania recaps during the commercial breaks, and just his picture alone, when he his image alone, when he was uh, raising up the world title, I mean, the place just went bananas. You know, some cheered, most booed, but the same. The, the thing is, without him him even being there, he's garnering such a strong reaction, and. You know, those are the things that the WWE creative look at and say, yeah, well, this guy, you know, he's getting the reaction that we need, you know, not necessarily the way we're booking him. Uh, and they do need to change that, but he's getting that reaction. So, you know, and Brock Lesnar has that crossover appeal to market to the SummerSlam type of spectacle. So I think, you know, I don't find anything wrong with Reigns and Lesnar, too. No, I, I really don't either, and I, 
I said it before. I, I honestly think if uh, if Brock wins, especially Vince is so gun ho on Roman being his guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that see, I, that's why I was surprised that they were announcing this early and not waiting for the result of the UFC 200 pay per view because. I really thought that if Brock won, they would book Reigns and Lesnar and have Reigns go over clean. Because, mm-hmm. oh, look, he just beat the guy that fought at UFC 200. Yep. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's a great point. All right, so what were your raw takeaways? It, it was a holiday show. It. I didn't find very much redeeming out of it from watching at a TV standpoint that you being there live, you know, you, you know, live is always a different thing, but uh, it felt long. Uh, there were a couple okay things. I liked the, the Cena club segment and stuff like that, but it's just, it was a three hour plus show it felt really long. And I, I just never felt rewarded at any point as a viewer. You know, I I thought most of the Raws lately have been pretty solid and everything, but it's just, I get that you want to put on a holiday-themed show and you want to do humor like a a food fight and you want to have some lighthearted stuff and raw, raw America and all that, and that's fine. And I know that they expected low ratings, but I don't think you should go into a show, especially when USA is unhappy with numbers, and that's the whole reason for the draft and SmackDown going live, and just put on a, a half-hearted effort for the most part. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah. that, that's what I thought. I, there have been worse shows, obviously. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just thought it was a, a poor effort from, from sitting here and investing three hours. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm waiting for give me a couple things to make it worth it. I can deal with an average show, but this one just kind of overall felt, you know, felt poor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being there live, uh, there were a few fun spots. Um, I like the new day segment. I really like how they're doing that. I, 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 you know, the Wyatt family has had time after time after opportunity after opportunity, and for some reason have reached, you know, has hit the glass ceiling every single time. However. Uh, I do think with this, because uh, it seemed like they were kind of moving over to babyface before Bray got injured, and then they did the whole mania spot as heels with The Rock. But it, it really seems as if this is a good reset for the Wyatt family, because I always say, you know, from a traditionalist perspective, you know, it's good for someone to ascend in the rankings when they are feuding with someone who has a lot of steam or us or, or group who has a lot of steam behind them. That is the reason why anyone who feuded against the four horsemen back in the eighties, it doesn't matter who you were from Nikita Koloff to Magnum TA, you know, to, to even a, a, a Saturday night episode against like a Manny Fernandez or something like that. It, it doesn't matter who you are. You are going to get some type of Ricky Morton. I remember when they were kind of feuding with Ricky Morton uh, and, and, and uh, the, the rock and roll express uh, as a, as a tandem. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are. 
you're going to get some type of credibility if you're going against with someone a lot of heat or a lot of a lot of uh, babyface pops. When you have a lot of steam behind you, um, you're going to get some. You're going to get some type of elevation, and I think that the Wyatt family is experiencing that right now because you know the 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 New Day has been the most over tag team uh, for the past. Uh, almost year and a half now. So having that type of steam behind the new day and the, and the Wyatt family feuding against them, it's actually helping the Wyatt family be, be legitimate heels. And just to, from a storyline standpoint, you know, Xavier Woods kind of being in the trance a few weeks back and, you know, the past couple of weeks, he's been non-supportive of all the antics and then we saw on Raw, we kind of just gave up. You know, of course, I don't see this as the end, you know, but I still think it's so, I think it's so good. You know, because I said even last week that they should uh, book, they should extend this. They should book Xavier Woods, you know, going into a trance and kind of succumbing to the kind of the, 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 the hypnosis of the Wyatt family. And kind of being the Daniel Bryan that Daniel Bryan was never, never had the opportunity to in this Wyatt family storyline and eventually kind of realizing the error of his ways and costing the Wyatt family. Because I would even have the Wyatt family win the titles at like a battleground. Um, and, you know, Xavier was eventually realizing the error of his ways and helping, you know, um, the New Day win the titles back by hitting, you know, Rowan or or, or, uh, or or Strowman with Francesca. You know, we'll see Francesca number two come back. So we can even see that storyline progress into further and further and to make it inter- continue to make it interesting and exciting. I think that from a creative standpoint, this is one of the, the, the positives of the program. Yeah, I've been. It's been a little hit and miss for me at the beginning, but I I like a lot. I, I did like what they did this week with with Woods finally getting extra serious and kind of yelling at them and stuff. And they they just need to do something with Bray because you keep hearing that they see a lot in Bray. They want to do a lot with Bray, and then they look like they're going to do stuff, and then it gets cut off, or they just do something really stupid like the ghost in the cage and the feud with ambrose and stuff like that and it's you just if you're going to do something with the guy do something for the guy and the brand split may be an excuse for them to finally do something with him but Mm -hmm. um it's like a lot of the time bray bray comes a little hit and miss with me because there are times I, i think he's a great speaker but the problem is, is a lot of the times, like when they do these promos and they sit down and they write some of the verbiage, he's just talking. There's no substance, blah, 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 eater of worlds, blah, 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 blah. And then sometimes he's really good. So mm-hmm. if they could stick to that a little more because his delivery is fantastic. The characterization he does and the delivery is fantastic. If they could just get the verbiage to match it more. It'd be great, but I just, yeah. I want to see them do something. It's just like, I keep seeing this dude and it's getting to the point that I almost don't want to see him. 
because mm. it seems like every time they're going to do something, something happens, someone gets hurt, they pull back, they de-push them, and it's going to be the diminishing returns thing. Like, right now, like, when I see Dolph Ziggler on TV, if I wasn't reviewing shows, I'd probably turn it off. Yeah, I agree. Because Unfortunately. Dolph is fantastic at what he does, but it's we're going to push Dolph for two months, and then we're going to put him in a three-and-a-half-month pre-show feud with Baron Corbin. Yeah. That delivered average matches and didn't help anybody. No. So it it's just, <laughs> Certainly yeah. not Ziggler. So it's just, I see Bray, and I'm just thinking, there's something there, I think, but they never really go with it enough for us to know. Yeah. So hopefully this will, I guess, be the start of something. I hope. Yeah, I hope so, and, and I hope that uh, you know, like you said, the roster, you know, would would help them out. Uh, poor uh, Becky Lynch, man. I mean, I, I have no idea why they're continuing to put Summer Rae in a, in a any type of spot in the main roster. She needs that NXT revamp like Emma did. And, it, and Emma, it was just her character. I mean, her her ring ability has always been always been good, but Summer Rae, she just needs an overhaul, you know, like none other. I was expecting Titus O'Neil to lose. Um, the uh, what was it? The uh, champion versus champion match. To me, that just kind of solidified that Dean Ambrose. It's the look. It's just the. I just don't see money in someone like Dean Ambrose. Now, here's the thing. You know, he's a fellow Ohioan. I respect the heck out of him. Um, you know, I have friends that uh, that knows him well, and I interviewed Eli Drake uh, last year, and he he shared some, some cool stories about Dean Ambrose. And but So I appreciate Dean Ambrose from a personal standpoint, but, you know, his his – his style in the ring and just his wardrobe does not exude world champ to me. And the match that, you know, the match against the Miz uh, from a crowd standpoint, um, I mean, people were, were Ambrose was over, you know, cause he was, you know, he's from Cincinnati. He was in Ohio and he's a champ, but during the match, I mean, it was, it was flat. People just weren't very interested. And it just, to me, seeing that, you know, within the first hour and then just Ambrose's uh, attire and overall look, it it just it's not it's not champion to me. And it just kind of diminishes the uh, it, it kind of diminishes the, the the title to a degree to me. I think there's a couple problems with Ambrose. And number one, they had a chance a while back when he was much hotter to do mm. something and to where something like this would have worked, but it got cooled off for several reasons. And then it was the whole let's Dean Ambrose is a lunatic. So let's make him wacky all the time. And then that took away. And that's kind of the perception thing in a way you talk about. The other thing about Monday's match was, is, you know, I, I saw it last Thursday. Yeah, exactly. It's the same match on SmackDown. Um, the only difference between the Raw and SmackDown match is the Raw match wasn't as good, but Dean Ambrose's horrible selling was still there. Yeah. Uh, it annoys me to no end when someone works a body part on Dean Ambrose because, especially the leg. You know, the, the Miz puts in, like, on Smack, the Miz on SmackDown puts in five minutes of work on this dude's leg. Mm-hmm. 
he posts it, he works it over, he gets to figure four, and then Dean Ambrose is up running around like nothing happened. Yeah. So if you're not going to sell it, there's a reason why people get bored during limb work in 2016. And it's not because it's limb work, it's because nobody sells it. And that also goes into the WWE edict where they actually tell baby faces, like if you get beat up on a pay-per-view Sunday, they don't want them selling it on Raw on Monday. Because people aren't there to see you sell injuries, they're there to see you perform. They actually tell people this. And that is like the exact wrong thing. And to piggyback on something you said, you, you brought up the Four Horsemen thing and you spoke about the Ricky Morton feud. The, one of the bases of the Ricky Morton feud was that the Horsemen totally beat him down and smashed his mm-hmm. face in the locker room. And yep. Ricky Morton wore a face mask for months. He was taped up and they worked a bunch of awesome street fights with like the Rock and Roll Express and Ronnie Garvin versus the, um, the Horsemen and stuff. Now, the reason that works is Ricky Morton was over as a babyface. That's the whole definition, you know, playing Ricky Morton. That's why it's still called that in 2016, because it's it's the tag team formula. You get the heat on the most sympathetic babyface. You beat them down. You beat them down. You beat them down until the crowd is going crazy, and then that dude gets the hot tag, and they go even crazier because now their heroes have a chance to win. And Ricky yep. Morton coming out with the face guard and all that stuff. It worked. So I don't understand why if someone gets beat down on Raw, that's why I always point out in my reviews, I love when someone comes out with taped ribs or Mm. something and that they actually sell it a little bit in their match the next night because that means that the match that happened before this actually meant something. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the the limb work. If you... it's not that people aren't interested in the Miz's work. It's just that Dean Ambrose crapped on it after five minutes and ran around. Yeah. And that's why people don't get into limb work. And it happens all the time. And I'm not one of those guys when I review that is like objectively searching out bad selling, bad selling hits me in the face. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. And like the last two Ambrose matches drove me insane with that. Because oh, well, even actually... Lesnar feud. Lesnar feud did the same thing. I mean, he sold yeah. horribly. But see, the, the thing that really just bothers me is that the Miz used to do these short TV matches, never work the leg, and then used a figure four and win. And mm. it wasn't that he annoyed me; it's that the agent that laid out the match that annoys me to no end. Because why does it make sense that the guy tapped out in three seconds? Yeah, technically you could say the hold is that good. But then three segments later, you see someone work a figure four for 45 seconds, and it doesn't make sense. The, the fact is, is now he put in all that work, and it made sense to build to that, and that should have been a big spot in the match when he locked into figure four, and everybody pops for Ambrose getting the ropes, but they don't because nobody cares because Dean is up running around. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating That's more than anything, really. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it's and I'm just, I'm I'm right with you. Uh, I'm like I said, from a traditionalist standpoint, from a psychology standpoint, I am right with you as far as the psychology is being shrouded by the um, the the high demand for physicality and, and and just wrestling in spots. That's the reason why this is the era where people get injured the most. You know, from a there's just a string injuries happening 
everywhere from concussions to to torn this to broken this. It's just the the demand is just incredibly too high for you know the a uh, 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 wrestling match to be basically graded based on uh, how many spots that someone had compared to understanding the power of a headlock, you know, and, and coming out of a headlock. We used to grab the arms and, and, you know, kind of shake, you know, the arms off the head and that would just, you know, gather just the ovation from the crowd. You know, that just doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, we saw that a little bit with Rusev and Titus O'Neil and, and the crowd was going to be behind it, you know, and, and it just goes to show that it's still a tried and true method. People still have that mentality of good guy versus bad guy, but we're, we're being tainted with other things. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have about five minutes. Uh, Flavor of the Week coming right up. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, Flavor of the Week real quick. Uh, both Larry and I have compiled a list of the top five mid-carters who should benefit from the brand split, which will be happening next Tuesday. So who is your number five, Larry? Uh, I think Ziggler will probably benefit for the fact that he stayed around, uh, delivers good TV matches, and they can always play out the fact that he is a former world champion. Yeah. Apollo Crews is me, uh, for me, uh, just because I think it sh- I think he should benefit uh, because he's an upstart. He got a mini event spot last night, and hopefully they do a character overhaul with him to make him a little bit more charismatic. You number four? Um, I, I think Alberto Del Rio will get a really big push. They're still searching for that Hispanic star. He's a tall guy. They're reportedly paying him a lot of money. So I would uh, likely see the rocket strap back on Alberto Del Rio, whether a lot of people like it or not. Uh, you can place me in the latter category with that um, as far as not, but I understand it totally. Cesaro is my number four. I think, uh, you know, that he's trying to break away, and I think a brand split, I think he can be one of the, the top baby faces on SmackDown. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a very good one. Um Number three, uh, Sami Zayn, uh, great baby face, great underdog, perfect for that secondary champion long match every week on TV, guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bray Wyatt, just because of the reasons what we talked about before, I think the brand split can give him the opportunity to actually break away. I'm, I've said this before many times. I think that Luke Harper should lead the Wyatt family when he comes back. And I think that Bray Wyatt should become a babyface and feud against Luke Harper's Wyatt family. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. I'm very high on Luke Harper, have been for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, number two, similar to the Sami Zayn thing, um, Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin Owens, great charisma, great talker. Again, can not only be pushed as a main event guy, which they can do if they want, but is also, again, perfect for that U.S. IC title role. Long matches on TV, good promos. He can fill a lot of time with quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Ben Baron Corbin is number two. I just think that he's – I mean, I've liked Corbin for quite some time, even when he was a babyface in NXT. I think that Baron Corbin has the ability 
to become one of the strongest pure heels in the WWE in a long time. Like I said before, we don't see both of us have alluded to it throughout the show that we don't see much of that anymore. We don't see much of the pure heel. It's usually a split chant within a match and it just kind of just kind of dilutes the the actual character of someone. Baron Corbin, he gets jeered, you know, unanimously. So that's what we need. We need those type of pure heels. And to make him a strong, one of the strongest heels on SmackDown would be a success for him. Yeah, and with the brand, excuse me, with the brand split, there's no reason not to at least try. Exactly. You're to have a lot of time when you split the rosters to experiment with guys. And you got to find out if he has it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, my number one, and I, this is a lot of split online, but uh, quite honestly, is The Miz. His act with Maurice is fantastic. He's had some excellent TV matches this year. He's a guy that can do a ton of press. He's a guy that fits that secondary title mold excellently. And as a former world champion, you can always push him as a challenger for the month or, or two months. Um, he can work in a lot of different ways. A lot of people just seem to – there is – about a year and a half ago, I could not have cared at all about Miz. He was kind of like the Dolph Ziggler thing to me. But last nine months or so, a lot of strong TV performances. Um, I was very happy they brought Maurice back. They are completely unlikable in the mm-hmm. best way possible. Uh, like I said, really good set of TV matches this year. And um, he's just, he seems revitalized. And then you add in the fact that he can do, he does great doing press and everything. Um, There's a lot they can do with him. I I really think the brand split for a guy like him is a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm still looking for, I think Miz has the pure heel heat to put over Shinsuke Nakamura. I still want to see Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura at SummerSlam or Survivor Series, and, and Shinsuke won the Intercontinental title, make it as big as he did in New Japan, making it basically just about the same as uh, the, the the world title, and actually uh, main eventing uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9. So, um, yeah, my number one is Rusev. I think that Rusev is, like I said, the pure heel heat, especially coming from yesterday and, you know, <laughs> and, and just, uh, just basically spitting on America. Uh, after beating, uh, you know, Titus O'Neil, I, I just think that Rusev has what it takes to be a heel. He has it, and he can be uh, just a world title contender on SmackDown, especially you know with all the rumors of them bringing back the big gold belt. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, Larry, where can we find you? Well, obviously, four one one mania dot com. Uh, I review. All the weekly stuff, all the New Japan stuff, um, along with my regular daily work there at the site. I pump out some columns when I have time. And I'm on Twitter at LarryZonka411. But, um, and you can also go to ZonkaMania.com, which links you to my archive of uh, reviews, which is between MMA and wrestling over 2,000 reviews since uh, 2004. Wow. Fantastic. A dozen years of uh, Zonka's uh, editorials. Fantastic. Appreciate you being on the show, uh, sir. I had a great, great time with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invite and had a great time. Indeed. Have a good night. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Larry Zonka, fantastic. I had a good time speaking with Larry. Uh, again, I apologize for uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. Uh, we'll get that straightened out. I appreciate Bobby coming on the show to just clear everything up. We'll get uh, we'll get Teddy Jr. Uh, straightened out uh, as far as because he you know he did promote everything. Um, he even he you know he even used uh, uh, he even tagged me on this Twitter uh, handles statuses. So we'll get it straightened out. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for just uh, this really um, heavy uh, uh, editorial like uh, review night. We haven't had this in a while, so it felt great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless, and we'll talk to you soon. Chris Featherstone signing off. God bless. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.